Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Lavender Menace. I am one of your co-hosts, Renaissance, and I am momentarily back in California. Super exciting. Happy holiday, or holidays to to everyone. Yeah, if you're even listening to this anytime near the holidays, because who knows, this could go up in fucking February, how things are going. This could go up in in March. Post, post it's it's not even Easter anymore by the time this comes up. (laughs) The way things are going, like, come on now. Um, But hi, I am Sunny, I'm your other co-host and editor of most of the episodes, and thus thus the culprit of... (laughs) of of them not coming out as i mean it's not like we have a ton recorded and backlogged but yes i am sunny and i am i'm a cancer guys and it was actually the cancer full moon very recently and Mm -hmm. the day after the cancer or the morning after the cancer full moon at like 7 p.m that night of i got my period so it's like guys the the moon the moon was mooning I was literally synced up, like, come on now, come on. But anyways, we are actually recording this at the end of the 2023 year. And I'm just going to start this off by saying, remember how at the beginning of the year I said I was I was quitting vaping? So if you're on Patreon and you're watching this, you'll notice that I have mm-hmm. my I have my jewel right here. The iconic. Mm-hmm. brand name that is what i'm hitting well I, I, look it's kind of like my 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 cancer mother lana del rey sorry she's problematic and whatever we know that mm-hmm. but she, she also made 12 or whatever albums that are bible so anyways i like her i will also be jeweling into the mic <laughs> as she Please. does on her tracks just kidding i'll try not to do that but yeah i mean i did i did well, quit did jeweling for, for like... most of the month yeah, it did. Oh, it well, did. for most of the year. Sorry, yeah, for most you of mean, the year. Yeah. yeah. And my, but, I mean, um, that was only supplemented by 20 cigarettes a day, so. <laughs> no, I Mind you, there's 24 hours in a day. <laughs> the cigarette uptake was, was significant, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. But, but, you know, there's nothing like a cigarette and a coffee in the morning, and everyone's going to say, and constipation. But you know what? <laughs> wow. Well, my my New Year's resolution was checking up on my emails. So, I mean, also integral to health, I think. <laughs> and and, I, I think- and honest, honestly, now, now I do. Like, I don't check, because before I was like, I need to check every day. But that's because if I missed a day, I just wouldn't check for like a month and a half, which was like really bad. Lord. And now, like, I do Lord. see, because if like my day's emails are just automatic like not content like not an email from an actual person i'm like okay i'll 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 delete that later but yeah no i love in case anyone was wondering (laughs) i love you really inspired me you stay Mm -hmm. you stay on top of your emails i do as soon as as soon as it gets hits my inbox i will open it or i will delete it because as y'all know i stay on my phone i stay on that damn phone so whenever those gmail notifications roll in it is Mm -hmm. It's going somewhere, but... but oh, <laughs> insane. The concept for the concept for this episode is just a, a year in review, starting with our major New Year's resolutions. I that, suppose, yeah. I guess that we had. <laughs> um, but also, 
a review on media and just things that happen in the air for us Mm -hmm. and the podcast and just in general. Yeah, because obviously between August and November and most and like most of December, we kind of were on a media blackout because Mm -hmm. we've just been busy, like school, work, life and... Well, I I moved continents. I moved Literally. across one continent, ocean, into a new country. Yeah. So if I'm being honest, like, abroad. yeah, I'm current. I'm currently in California, but I'm living in France. I've lived there for three months, and I have four months left on my contract. So I'll be back. It's not a permanent thing. August and September was like me prepping <laughs> to move, a la visa paperwork, packing, organizing. And then three months just, like, settling in a new place and working every day. Yeah. And time zone differences. And just generally, like, the first, like, two months was a lot of, like, bureaucratic stuff that I just was always doing and working. I've been desperately trying to stay on top of shit. And I've also fell off my wagon in terms of making videos for my BookTube channel but I'm I'm back on that and I'm going to be back mm-hmm. on that for this new new year. That's one of my I guess resolutions is getting back into making videos consistently for the rest of the year and continuing to build that channel. It's called a Sunny Book Nook if you're not already tapped into that. I mean, if you don't like if you're not into booktube and whatever like please don't engage cuz what's the point? But um, But I feel like you have pretty original videos as well for like a booktube channel. Yeah, no, I'm I'm proud of my content, and I actually have a video that might be up by the time this this comes out that I'm kind of afraid is going to get me more biphobic allegations. <laughs> which is I mean, like, at this point, what does more mean in in the context of all of them repeatedly? Yeah. But yeah, the video concept is basically like my problem with lesbian romance novels, and we have discussed lesbian romance novels mm-hmm. on this on this podcast, like we. We did an episode where we talked about it, this is our fleabag episode from like a year, a couple years ago or something like that. That was where we talked about last night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe, which is a young adult historical fiction romance. Um, yeah. We also talked about something to talk about by Meryl Wilsner, which is a terrible romance novel that I yeah mention in my video. It's I think it's the first book I mention in the video as like an example of why lesbian romance doesn't really work for me as a genre. But yeah, because I think another thing that I've noticed in the landscape of YouTube, because I've been making videos, I've been on YouTube for so long and I've been making videos consistently for the past three years and on and off for the past like four or five years is that and like watching it for obviously like what, seven years at this point Mm -hmm. is that like video essay content has become exponentially more popular in the past oh yeah couple years which yeah, um definitely which i guess i sh- i'm tapping into with this with my i didn't even script anything i was just like these are just my thoughts which is why mm-hmm. i'm afraid of the biphobia allegations cuz my first point is really just like talking about how i mean i get to this point eventually but really is like so many of these lesbian romance novels and that's why i avoided a lot of them this year and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that when we get into the media that we consumed this year were so so many of them feature like two feminine bisexual women two bi women as the center of the romance which is just like mm-hmm. this is unrealistic have you guys ever met lesbian couples in your real life are any of you guys actual real life people who engage in like lesbian sex 
mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> because it's really I that's not really what it's like. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I hope no one calls me biphobic in my comments about that. Because um, I, I also, I don't even think I'm shitting on bi women or whatever in in the in the video. And I don't, we haven't really on the podcast either. Like, I think we've just kind of discussed, like, what the reality of the situation is within media, exactly. in the world, how people interact we've, with the world. Yeah. We've been framed as people who hate bi women. <laughs> but if you actually listen to anything that we say, not... Really, yes. or particularly, or not, not in any, not without context, I guess. Like, it's never, yeah. I, I hate is but a strong anyway. word, like, there's exactly. no hate there. It's not like guys, like, the I saw this tweet that was like, the best part about being gay in real life is like making fun of other gay people, like, and it's so true, it's so exactly. true. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have real life gay friends. I don't know. I don't know. We got the L, G, B, and the T in my life. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. They're not just Twitter people. I mean, (laughs) you know, for a lot of people, that is your reality. And it's like not your choice at all. And I'm really, I feel really bad for you. But I think you will one day get, collect all the cards of the L, G, B, and T. It ma- it makes it a lot of fun living in Literally. real life. Your your life. Knowing gay be... people in real life is is yes, so primo, enriched, I'd yeah. say. And that that's one of the I mean, okay. A new year's resolution for everyone that I would encourage is to drink more water. Because <laughs> I think that people don't drink enough water. And as someone who drinks that's a lot true. of water, as someone who drinks a lot of water and pees maybe 12 times a day, I just think everyone should drink more water. Um, so if you're listening to this right now, go drink some fucking water, okay? French people do not drink water, and it really oh concerns me. Europeans it really do not drink water. They, they do don't season their damn water. food. They don't drink water. What are they doing with their lives? I don't. I don't know. It's really like sometimes I have to remember because, like, I feel like you. I get reminded to drink water by other people around me having their own water bottles and drinking water and then you're like oh i need to take a sip of water but there's like no visual cue to drink water because no one does like so i like so few people i see with water bottles in public and the way we're like i mean at least in southern california i feel like if you go anywhere you either see them in people's car you see people carrying them you see them in their grocery carts like everyone has their personal water bottle or a collection yeah. of them or a fucking Stanley cup or something mm-hmm. that they have mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. But okay. Do you want to talk about movies first and then books and then TV shows and then music? Sure. Like, what's the, what's the order? What do you, what are we thinking? Hold on. Let me pull up my letterbox in that case. Yeah. So, okay. I watched 35 new films this year and I rewatched one film, which I think the rewatch was Carol because mm. I had to watch it for, like, a course. I watched... This is my lowest year since I've had Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. I watched 67 films for the first time in 2023 and 77 logs. 77 movies in total. This is the first year it's, like, under 100. Like, well under 100. Wow. Wow. But last year, 2022... I had 211 diary entries and 214 reviews. 
Jesus. Versus my 77 this year. In 2021, oh, I had 96. So there, the, 2022 is a big movie year for me. And 2020 is probably pretty small too because, oh, 94 in 2020. So this is definitely my lowest year by a pretty significant number of mm-hmm. movies. But mm-hmm. that is definitely influenced by one, finishing undergrad. Um, mm-hmm. The first half yeah. of this year, I was still in college and yeah. trying, or not trying to graduate, like I knew I was going to graduate, but like mm-hmm. graduating. trying to, yeah, graduating, like the last, my last two quarters, traveling in the summer, being yeah. out and about, and then moving, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Like, Definitely. like just working applying trying to get things write things and then obviously in the first half of the year we were still like recording and making episodes pretty regularly as well so anything that i watched would have been for you would know because it would have been for the podcast (laughs) like i wasn't doing any any watching outside of yeah the podcast really yeah no i think last year i watched like 44 films something like that Mm -hmm. like including rewatches so this year like having logged like 36 films it's also a decrease although mm-hmm. obviously i watch like way fewer movies and renaissance yeah i think that i watched some pretty good films this year films that like came out this year i suppose and also mm. some some rewatches. like i think this year was the first time i watched it was the first time that I watched the fi- the 1966 film Daisies, which I think I recommended on the podcast. It was the first mm-hmm. time I watched the film Go Fish, 1994, that um, really classic one. It was the first time I watched the Angley film The Wedding Banquet from 1993, which is really good. First time that we watched Theater Camp together yeah that was very fun it was the first time that i watched deb's actually which you recommended like in the first season of the podcast Mm -hmm. and it was the first time that i watched the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love it which was made in 1995 that's probably my favorite watch one of my favorite watches of the year that was so lovely and sweet and amazing it's like this sort of it's like this butch femme film from the 90s about these two teenage girls in high school one of them is kind of like is this like white mask who's like kind of a kind of a loser i mean she's like not very good at school and she she gets in trouble a lot she's kind of a delinquent but she also gets like bullied a lot obviously for being a dyke and there's this kind of popular rich girl who is black and she is she's like presumably straight she's in a relationship with this boy i guess but she's not that interested and then they like basically get together through the course of the movie and we can see the ups and downs but also the mass character she has she's like she doesn't she lives with her aunt who is also gay and her aunt is this butch who has a girlfriend and whom like that's their household but then at the beginning of the movie her aunt's ex-girlfriend who's like a total hippie like mm-hmm. moves in to their house as well so because she like is getting away from in a like an abusive relationship or something so it's like these three adult women and then this one kid and these all these dykes in this <laughs> house and it's so cute it's just such a sweet film and yeah i really loved it but 
I would also say one of my favorite films, some of my, I, I, I've, I've watched, the month that I watched the most movies, besides in July, we watched a lot of movies together. We watched six movies yeah. together, I think. Or not six, we watched five movies together and I watched another movie and then, but the, by far, I've watched the most movies this month, including quite a few, those three short films by Wes Anderson on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But in total, I've watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've watched eight, eight films in the month of December. And two of them were like five star watches, like so incredible. And they were, they're movies that I don't think have come out yet. They were sent to us for our consideration. They've like premiered at film festivals and mm-hmm. they are, they were just so good for, for very different reasons. And, but yeah, I can talk about those. I can talk more about those later. But what were some of your favorite watches of, of the year? Yeah, well, one that I watched that was a recommendation for you was a first watch for me, rewatch for you, was Born in Flames, which I watched mm. January of this year. And that was Excellent like a pretty film. solid quality jump decrease. But I watched Duck Butter this year, which was also an early yes. recommendation from you. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like a crazy gay story it's not like it's duck butter uh, is not that good of a movie but it was crazy i remember watching it in like high school and being like or not even i don't remember but i remember watching it and being like what the fuck (laughs) it's a what the fuck kind of movie yeah it's a it's a very yeah yeah Uh, I'll, i'll leave it at that um but i think at the time yeah i watched it on netflix i don't know if it's still on netflix i recently watched the first wives club for the first time the movie Mm -hmm. i think it it also is obviously a broadway musical but the movie came out in 1996 and honestly it was pretty fabulous pretty fabulous i really enjoyed it uh some people might not get the vision but i got Mm -hmm. the vision and i thought it was really good yeah, I will add it to um, mine to watch. Oh my gosh, but actually, Renaissance, I just realized I did watch, I watched The Children's Hour this year. Oh, you did? Like a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a recommendation early on the podcast. And yeah, I love that yeah, movie. Very I melodramatic. Mean, very. Yeah, I mean, like to say I love it, it's like it's, it's not like it's a rom-com or anything, but. It's, yeah, because it's, I mean, the thing is, is that apparently like, in the documentary for the film, or the documentary film, The Celluloid Closet, which is, I think, about, like, classic Hollywood cinema and closeting and Mm -hmm. queerness and stuff, they, when they interviewed Shirley MacLaine and Audrey Hepburn about making this film, they were like, Mm -hmm. so what about the gay themes or whatever? And they were like, honestly, when we were recording this, like, we had no idea that it was gay. Like, we didn't think that it was homosexual they, or whatever. They say that. Exactly. But I'm like... And we're like, that's interesting that you say that. Or, like, they're both, they're, they're both mm-hmm. like, I don't... We didn't even realize. It's like, I was okay. like, right. <laughs> and, you're, and you're literally you can, saying, like, the script is like, oh, my desire is so disgusting. And I, I, can't, yeah. I, I feel like I'm in love with you. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, and I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. And I was like, both of you, both of you were surrounded by by gays, by homos early mm-hmm. in your career. So, I mean, I don't buy it. Lillian Hellman, the playwright for the play that it was based off mm-hmm. of, she, 
it was really interesting because the history of like her life and the way that she wrote and rewrote the children's hour over the course of Mm -hmm. like years and decades is like crazy because she she was so concerned with how audiences like on Broadway were going to receive it and whether Mm -hmm. she should like she was constantly adjusting it and the first rendition of the film was about adultery rather than like homosexuality and like Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very interesting history of like from from written to stage to film and yeah it's like that's 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 queer history that's lesbian history guys yeah but so i do i do love that i watched a couple studio ghibli studio ghibli Mm -hmm. how's that first g pronounced i don't really know is it i think studio ghibli studio ghibli is fine i have i have some i think unpopular opinions on some of the movies but i don't care it's, have you watched? Very popular. Anyone can see my review. Have you watched? Did you watch Spirited Away as a kid? No, not as a kid. And I and I would not have been able to. When I watched this, I was like, "There is no fucking way my ass would have sat down to watch this." Really? I would have been so it, scared. Even now, I was yeah. like, "Yeah, no, yeah. no, no way." No, I will I, say when I watched Kiki's mm-hmm. Delivery Service. Oh, that's, that's a cute fun. film. And the first one that I watched, well, because I had already seen Ponyo and My Neighbor mm-hmm. Totoro. I've, I had already seen those, yeah. just, like, yeah. not not with any particular purpose to, like, watch mm-hmm. all of them. So the first one that I watched for, like, okay, I want to eventually watch all of these was Nausicaa Valley of the Winds, which is technically mm-hmm. not a Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli film. It's, like, that um, the famous director, Hay- Heo Miyazaki's, I think one of his first films or maybe his first feature film. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. So far, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I watched mm-hmm. No Hard Feelings that came out this year, which was the comedy with oh, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. And I thought it was fun. Like for yeah. the classic comedy genre, I think it definitely paid homage to like the style, the style that it was trying mm-hmm. to evoke and like, not replicate, because it wasn't, like, you know, like, it wasn't trying to copy any movie, like, mm-hmm. from my understanding, it's, like, not a remake or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, a lot of people like that, It was really film. good, and, yeah, like, I mean, I gave it three stars, like, it's not a five-star movie, but, like, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of Flopiana comedies, I think, and especially Flopiana comedies in the style, like, that this movie is trying to be comedy, not, like, Bottoms or Theater Camp, which is yeah. a completely different like humor and, mm-hmm. and stuff yeah i thought that was like pretty solid yeah. oh but i do want to talk about yeah. the studio ghibli stuff because my yeah, relationship yeah, yeah. to my relationship to the film spirited away specifically is that i watched it quite a few times as a child and it well was... that explains a lot now it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> now what do you mean by doesn't that, that what explain? do you mean I feel like that's a pretty universal experience. I remember being in a room full of a lot of other kids who were watching it. What do you What do you mean? <laughs> Let's just continue. Let's continue. <laughs> no, but no, I remember watching it a lot, and I still have so much love in my heart for that film. Like, I think it is so imaginative and moving, and it gave me 
It gave me the sense of like love and wonder in the end of fairy tale like vibe combined with the energy of like finding Nemo except reverse of like trying to save your parents. Like I think mm-hmm. that yeah, so it's still it's still a movie that I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't subject any child to this film, to be honest, uh, because could be traumatizing could be traumatizing but Mm -hmm. it is it's one that i hold close to my heart so i'm interested in in hearing but i haven't watched it in a while i don't think so i'm interested in hearing your thoughts on it because you're like i have unpopular opinions which is like you know yeah i mean nothing new for you (laughs) true uh no, it, it it's one of those where I'm like, I, I think it's one that you either have to like drop into it or not. And I just, I don't like things that are off-putting. I don't love things that are gross. <laughs> I think like the Foley artist did not have to go for pure realism. I think on the sound quality of some of the things that were happening on screen, like some of the sounds in that film are... <laughs> stomach turning and skin crawling and i'm like i don't need to hear this i don't think some of the visuals are not pleasant to the eye i'd say and i just generally do not enjoy or take inspiration in watching a small child be like terrified for her life for like two hours, <laughs> which she is for yeah. like 90%. I mean, like, I think towards the end of that, we see her kind of get braver, but it's also braver in terms of like, well, because she thought she was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like she keeps moving forward because there's 700 monsters nipping at her ankles. It's like, right. it's like, I, it's like things like that. Yeah. So I'm like, I, but it's also such an original film yeah. and a movie that's not like anything else that I'm like, okay, for the people who really, really love this film, it is important that it exists because you're not going to find something like Spirited Away anywhere else, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, for people who that speaks to, I'm glad that it is there for <laughs> I them. mean, it's so popular. I am not someone. Well, yeah, and it's so popular. And I think just having like uh non-linear like i find that a lot of studio ghibli movies have a plot that like unravels and it's not like a classic three-act structure Mm -hmm. or like a very predictable arc that a lot of films have or even just like a lot of children's films yeah it's not western cinema or anything like that so i like really love the original of it in that way for sure But of course, like, for me, I think in terms of a young girl protagonist character doing something to protect or to find people that she loves, like, Nausicaa Valley of the Wind kind of hit it out of the park for me, which I think was a mistake of that being the first film that I watched, because then, like, for every film after Nausicaa, I was like, but is this as good as Nausicaa? Um, Yeah, I haven't watched... Which is my opinion. I haven't watched that movie... But I think My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service are a little bit too soft, gentle, and kind for me because I I need to be on the edge of my seat. I'm sorry. I need to not have to look away. I need to, I need my characters to, especially in like 
worlds that are so immersive in this art style. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to be immersed in terms of the stakes. And I think, like, because of how terrified this little girl is in exploring this world, I think, like, the hotel world and the way that she has to, like, become the servant, like, the bath scenes, like, all of that, it was, as a child, it was so, like fun for me to watch and as an adult it is still engaging for me to watch because it it's a self-insert thing of like what would I do in this situation I would be scared as fuck but also that wonder of like what the hell is going on that she also experiences that you are experiencing as the viewer is like fascinating Mm because you see all these creatures and like not all of them are out to get you but they're just existing and then you are now this intruder in this world trying to survive and I think like as a kid in the adult world that's how you feel all the time especially as like a kid who feels like an outsider you feel like you're in a world where everything is so strange and people interact with each other in such a strange way and you have to be this thing that like doesn't interrupt anything but you have your own mission you have your own desires to carry out and you want to be around the people that you love and care about but things are so always happening out of your control and all these forces are around you trying to stop you from being able to like do the things you want to and so you just have to but you just have to keep going even though you're so scared and there's so many things that have so much more power than you but you just have to keep going and like I think that being at the core of like how she's getting through it all and what is happening to her as so many things are on the screen and it's so like there's the room with all the jewels and the Baba Yaga character and like how scary that is the talking doorknob like I haven't watched this movie in forever but all these scenes and like the the artistry and the craft of it like just remain so piercing in my mind even as a kid because of how a how beautiful the art is and b how much emotion it drew from me in terms of like how it paralleled my experiences of feeling so isolated and like thrown into a world of strangeness but at least for her our main character she's in a world of strangeness that's like very cool at least for me I was like this is so cool like whoa that's crazy I mean I don't know maybe I should have been more scared but (laughs) I I just think there's a way to express that without a glob oil gross sweaty monster in a room of dirty water that's rising and she's about to drown if she doesn't like pull this giant plug and it like stinks Oh my god, I, I love that scene. That scene is so. Oh, I, I I wanted yeah. It's just again, for those who that speaks to and gives them that sense of wonder. wonder yeah, it's just not for you. It. The thing is, I, is that I've, it's just it's just not for me. Yeah. And I respect that. I mean, I would never call it like a bad movie. I would never say I don't get why people like it. Like, there's some things that I'm like that. It's not for me. And I think it's a bad movie. Spirited Away is not one of those. It is just yeah. one. And it and like if I was in a group setting and everyone was like, let's watch Spirited Away. And I was like, that, that was the fan fave. I'm not going to be like, <laughs> you know, like, like I'll watch it. And now I can say that I have seen it. So like if I'm ever in a rewatch environment mm-hmm. or a mood where I want to revisit it, like it was also yeah. just a movie that I wanted to get under my belt. Yeah, because so many people say, yeah, 
Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing, like, because I love those narratives of, like, a young girl going into a thing they don't know, like, regardless of the tone, you know, like, I mean, even Anne of Green Gables, like, that sense of isolation and not being, like, anyone else and being in this new community. Or, like, the Secret Garden, this, like, girl who's, like, sick and, like, always, always up to some bullshit and then, like, learning learning about and these are just these i'm talking about the books okay i haven't seen any movie or film ad, or tv adaptations of these that i or anything that i would want to really think unless someone unless someone's like no you have to um i don't recommend me the fucking tv show i'm not gonna watch the fucking tv show for Anne, oh and with the names yeah 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 but because I've, I've heard it's good the yeah, pictures who too. ride hard for it ride very they hard, rode hard for that it. shit no i remember they, when they I was put a, up a brave fight they really That's did called for... a grassroots movement versus <laughs> uh, an industry. Literally. No, I, I because that's another thing about like childhood media consumption was that as a kid, like when I was in middle school, maybe I read every single book in the Anne of Green Gables series. I was eight books in to that fucking series. Like I was seeing her out of Avonlea. I was seeing her in college. I was seeing her married. I was seeing her like, girl, anyway. What else? What, what other first watches were were notable i guess or favorites of the year for you because you um, said that we no hard feelings together or separate or or just in general because you said no hard feelings and you said born in flames and you were talking mm-hmm. about the studio ghibli films well this is the year that i finished sex in the city mm-hmm. i mean everyone fucking applaud i love sex in the city mm-hmm. i don't i don't think i don't think i don't think it's necessarily for you and that's okay. Like, I'm not going to recommend. Or if you watch it and you do love it, fantastic. If you watch it and you don't, I'm not I'm not holding my breath for you to watch it. Like, but it's too many seasons. I'm not so, watching that. It's six. And it's so good. It's so. But you have you to say get, six? There are some like, sex- that's not a big number. When I think two seasons is a little bit too much for me. You know what I mean? But it's it's from a different time. It's from a different, it's from a different time. But there are Sex in the City fans who I think are so dumb. Like, who I think do not get the show at all. Do not yeah. get what, what's brilliant about it. Sorry, that might be, might be me being a misogynist. I don't care. I definitely think I, I enjoy it. And it, there's, I feel like there's two camps of Sex in the City enjoyers. And you just have to find the people who you find but anyways i bring that up because i watched both of the movies and the movies are considered to not really be canon by most of the people who enjoy the film again it's kind of a two-camp situation there are people who consider the films to be canon some people who don't and they're also widely hated upon yeah. like the sex and the city movies are not known to be good i do not think they were as bad as people put them out to be like i was expecting mm-hmm. half star movies mm-hmm. and i find that a lot of the things that people complain about with the sex and the city movies are things that are more products of the time and who these characters are and what Oddly enough, not to get too heady about it, what was happening geopolitically at the time, let's just say, rather than them being bad movies. But again, not everyone's going to get that, so... The thing about the Sex and the City movies is that in one of my classes, someone pulled a clip from one of the films to analyze Mm -hmm. within the context of Orientalism by Edward Said, and 
It was probably the Sex and City too. Yes, the second. She said it was the second film, and she was like, "Yeah, it was. It was a. It was like a two minute clip of this of the girl running in through the market, and then look at the bags, and then coming out, and then all these guys like." All these people surrounding her, shaming her for having condoms. Anyway, and being like, this is a really interesting example of like Orientalism's manifestation within media. And that's yeah. that's my connection to Sex and the City. I also asked Enrique, my friend, which Sex and the City character am I? And he said, you have the heart of a Charlotte, but you're like a, you're like a writer and a go- gossip. Like, I forgot the name of the character, but... Anyway, Probably that's scary. what I'd say if, if I had to put you into a character. I'd say Carrie, a mix of Carrie and Miranda. Oh, wait, but I think I, you said I Miranda. Think things, maybe maybe Charlotte in the way that you're very pro marriage. Oh, God. <laughs> but um, but that that's the only major in in my opinion, I'd say if I had to actually look at the characters and, and who they are I'd, yeah. I'd say but there there are also things that i think are pretty integral to your personality that none of them really exhibit because i, I think you have definitely i think a little bit more of a backbone than carrie has which also <laughs> comes from miranda but then there are things like like it's like a mix like there are things that are that are necessary for the women to be characters that if you know yeah i, I love i them. love character caricature type like exactly because i feel if anything i feel like you'd be a good like character that goes in and out of the friend group (laughs) like (laughs) i I think i think you'd be a a good um character that's like when shows or movies have like the occasional voice of reason that's like not there all the time (laughs) But like goes in, it's like almost like a messenger of reason oh, for a plot. I feel like yeah. I feel like you like you're a missing character of Sex in the City rather than <laughs> a character that already exists in the franchise. I remember asking Eliza, whom we've mentioned on the pod this year. I, I was asking Eliza. exactly. I was asking her which Dairy Girls character am I? Because Michelle. It's, yeah right because i was talking i was talking about um i was talking about how like immediately I, i'm just a michelle but she was like she was like no you are the lesbian you are Cla- you are claire like you don't fear authority enough right well she you was defy like, authority in in its face <laughs> which if anything is much more michelle right but she was like lesbian neurotic smart neurotic anxious and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, but I do think, I do think I do lean Michelle because she DGAF. Something about Michelle is she DGAF, but she's also going to get the D. That's something about Michelle. She DGAF. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she is unabashedly horny 100% yeah. of the time. So, yeah. You know, good My, for her. Me in high school is definitely Claire. Oh, 100%. And I didn't even 100%. know I was a lesbian in high school. But oh, I, you were I Claire. was. I was Claire. Claire to heavy. a T. That, that, is, that is my representation. Uh, like, Your high school so, representation is Claire from Dairy yeah. Girls 100%. Absolutely. I think now you're you're more of a. Um, you're an Aaron. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You're like. I'm like. I'm like Aaron a voice if, of if reason. When she. When she Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. In terms of being a voice of reason, and also in terms of being, I will like... not so blindly up my own ass though. <laughs> Maybe but, with the way I talk about music. Never mind. Maybe that's where my. Well, it's like she's so committed to her opinions and beliefs, and she does not give a fuck or budge about that. Like, I think Michelle has strong opinions and beliefs. But mm-hmm. it's not like she's, like, and, like, she just thinks she's right, but she's not going to necessarily, like, defend it to, to naysayers. I think Erin is going to go on and on to everyone to make sure everyone knows that she's right. And I think, on, like, that being that's our... Europeans has changed me, though, because there's no... <laughs> being around Europeans uh... has made me just accept internally my piece about things. Oh my god! I think oddly. Oh well, I haven't seen it. That so that I I haven't seen that piece. Let me tell you. (laughs) Oh well, okay. That you know what? I see where you're coming from because on a phone call like a month ago, I I did go on a rant about the book I was reading. Literally, but and and I will be kind of wish I'll be like and yeah, whatever. I don't really care about the the opinions of or i we all have a very strong opinion and then 15 minutes later i'll be like oh yeah sonia has this opinion then i'll be like no i don't i don't really care anymore and i'm like okay <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we ha- i had to detonate a bomb for something that doesn't matter 20 minutes later <laughs> yeah well you know and that's the beauty of um of, of well me you know but anyways more more film sex in the city you said they're not as oh, trash yeah. as people say say that they are but yeah i think yeah. it's interesting that in your experience someone brought it up in terms of how orientalism presents itself in media because i mean i well yes like to say that they aren't racist would be false the the films uh, at times. The second one, definitely. The first one deals with other stuff that's unrelated to race. But not that it's a defense of it, but who the characters are in terms of rich white women from Manhattan who are not necessarily woke or caring about political correctness or anything. Traveling to... Um, I think they go to Abu Dhabi, but by the means that are provided in the film, behave and see the world around them exactly how women in that demographic would behave and see the world around them, if that makes sense. Like, I think for them to be uber politically correct or conscious or, or, or frame where they are or see it any other way would not be accurate to who the characters are and not be accurate to what the franchise looks like because even within the show, the show and the franchise doesn't treat like the people of color or other cultures in the show particularly well either. Like it's it's painted all in the same Equal filter. opportunity bullshit. Like literally. Where I'm like, it's not more egregious than how this franchise and these characters have behaved in any other situation outside of rich white women in Manhattan. You know, like I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. it's anyways, is my personal opinion of like, I also would not recommend, Oh, do you want to know about life in Abu Dhabi? You should watch sex in the city too. Like, I don't think anyone's going to that movie 
for a particularly cultural education, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So, and it doesn't present itself that way. Yeah. Or to my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. The next one that I was going to mention was that we, we watched did. Working Girls this year as well. Which is another Lizzie Borden film. Lizzie Borden yeah. being the uh, chosen name of the woman who directed Born in Flames, which is, which is pretty slay. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest, I don't have that many like solid first watches oh for christmas this year i watched eloise at christmas time for the first time have you ever seen that movie might have seen it on tv when you're a kid but have you seen it like we didn't have tv as a kid well i mean i i mean younger anyways that is a really good freaking movie yeah i saw that you loved letterbox yeah that was really good and then princess mononoke another studio ghibli film nausicaa we're all four and a half we watched Harold and Maude this summer. That we was did. a four and a half for me. Yeah. We and watched we Party Girl together. We did watch Party Girl. Yeah. We did an episode on that one as well. Fun yeah. Movie, fun and I think movie. you gave it three and a half, but I gave yeah. it four and a half. Yeah. I mean, either way, we both fairly enjoyed it. that yeah. movie. Oh my God. We need to talk about Bottoms. That was that was a really important first watch for this yes. year. But, oh, I, I mean, I guess other first watches for this year that are notable for me is Angels in America, the 2003 film. Like, that was important. Mm. I, I rewatched Shiva Baby in theaters, and that was really fun because I went and saw it with my friend who has never seen it before, and it was pretty excellent. It's so fun to go see it. and Because they are, like, a St. Louis Jew, like, born and raised i'm pretty sure you know you're in a room of you're in a theater full of like st louis people so probably lots of jewish people as well (laughs) but like so a lot of like the in jokes and stuff i mean at the point where there's that joke about like or in in the movie where the grandma's like showing the photo of like oh and this is my my grandson in israel or palestine or whatever they're calling it these days. <laughs> and timely, then like uh, timely joke. And then the awkward pause. My friend who I was sitting with like looked over was like <laughs> real. That's real as fuck. Like excellent movie. I'm sorry, but it's so much better than Bottoms. So much better than Bottoms. And look, yes, I love you. Is. We love you, Emma Seligman. We love you so much. Rachel Sennett, you are incredible. We love the both of you. But, um, and Ayo Edabiri, you're fantastic to you. She was great mm-hmm. in Theater Camp and Bottoms. Sorry, mm-hmm. but Bottoms is inferior to Shiva Baby by miles. Miles. So. It is. But, you know, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You have to start some. Well, I mean, I guess Shiva Baby is the start, but Shiva Baby is such a. In terms of Emma's name having some clout, this was. Yeah, that first film. This really got her on the scene. I mean, I think yeah. it's because of the rise of, you know, like, I mean, the cover, what was it? Was it Vulture or something? That cover with, with her, with Emma, Io. Mm-hmm. And Emma was very parallel to, like, the Boy Genius cover. I think, like, we're just seeing this <laughs> rise of, like, female artists and creatives yeah. in a way that is really highlighting a movie like Bottoms, which is explicitly about this like female like experiences mm-hmm. in a way that shiva baby was not like as 
much of a romp in that way. So, but I think like her sticking to this, to the comedy chops of it all was, it's a good move, but I think like Bottoms kind of does a sort of more slapstick thing in a way. Yeah. But I don't know. What else are some standouts, some standout elements for you about Bottoms? I mean, it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I mean, it's fun. The watching experience was better in theater. So I saw it. I've seen it twice. I saw it once Mm -hmm. on the pre-release link. Yeah, the screener. Version that we got. Yeah, the screener. The digital screener that we got. And then I saw it in theaters when it came out. And on the big screen, it's, it's like, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. I think it's more of like a 3.75 movie for me. Like, the four stars yeah. i gave it four stars at first because it was before it was mm-hmm. really out so i was like i didn't want to break anyone's heart like i didn't mm-hmm. i didn't want to mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. slow the hype train but then on the second watch i gave it 3.5 mm-hmm. and i think story-wise structurally there's some there are pieces of information that we should know in act one that we don't find out until like act three or act mm-hmm. four there are just some like loose end plots kind of that are just strung together in the film without a real cohesive vision like we have a high concept high performance but structurally it does lack for me in a couple of areas Mm -hmm. yeah but it's fun like I also think directorially it isn't Emma's it's not as strong as Shiva Baby for sure like there are some ways that people are organized in a frame or in a shot or some choices that the camera makes or I guess that Emma makes with the camera Mm -hmm. that I don't think behoove the storytelling Mm -hmm. or are that visually informing which is hard to excuse when Shiva Baby and Shiva Baby's treatment of the camera is so intentional and Mm -hmm. so smart in the staging of it in the frame is just so much stronger than with bottoms and I think that's also because in bottoms we have a lot of big rooms a lot of big spaces with not that many people and so trying not to make it feel like five people in a high school gym you know and do some world building with that is like it's just so different than like for sure directing in a small house or something like that like yeah there's yeah. just more room, so there's more choices that you have to make. And I just think that, like, that jump in setting, we see her directing vision falter a little bit, especially because mm-hmm. she's also working on writing and pacing of the comedy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so, mm-hmm. but I also think it's strong that she didn't do, like, a another Shiva baby, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, like, another, yeah, yeah. like... She explored something different, and that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's different, to... but also, like, with people that she's familiar with. So, like, yeah. it's, like, in her yeah. strong suit, but allowed her to try something mm-hmm. different, which is good. And, I, and I'd be interested in seeing what else she ends up directing and things like that. Yeah, no, I, I think she should collaborate more with other comedy writers. Mm-hmm. That might be helpful, I think. Like... I think the strongest part of Bottoms is the comedic performances. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of the actors and what energy they bring and how they deliver their lines. Like, yeah, the, the humor of that is what makes it hit. And I think, like, even the way that, like, Kaya Gerber and, like, mm-hmm. and the scene with her and, like, and Rachel 
like on the bed. Like yeah. that's like it's like funny, but you know I think mm-hmm. one of our favorite films together is Booksmart, right? Which is an which is another yeah. high school gay comedy, mm-hmm. and I think that that film. I think it's better, and I think it has the same. I think it has more heart to it, which also lends it to be more funny mm-hmm. in some ways. Like, it's a different type of humor, but it's still, I think, like, it has this sort of, that best friendship and that relationship and these characters feel more, they're less of caricatures, which I guess is part of the appeal for, like, Bottoms, but I think, like, that's why, that's why Bottoms is such a hit for, like, Stan Twitter and, like, online mm-hmm. discourse. Because people get to, like, attach onto, like, are you a PJ? Or, uh, like, Havana Rose Lou is so pretty. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, people get to attach things to that in, in the way that, like, fandom culture works. I mean, I remember there was some discourse that kind of was like, oh, none of these people are even, like, lesbians or, like, gay for real. Like, eh. Which is, like, hilarious to think about if you, like, know mm-hmm. MS Halloween's, like, work and, like, you know, like, Rachel. Why am I forgetting her last name? Senate? Rachel Senate? Yes. Or like (laughs) Rachel Senate's, you know, obvious bisexuality as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think they have gone on record in interviews and been like, ugh, I'm not dating men and shit like that, which is like, yeah. I mean, Chapel Rowan has also not come out. I mean, no, she's come out. She's gay. She's very much gay, but she's not come out as (laughs) a lesbian. She's yeah. been like, ugh, I don't date men. I'm never going to date a man again. Which is like, yeah, okay. I, I, see, I, I know who you are. I, we see your vision. I but... see. We see each other. Exactly. So we're recording this part in a separate section. So if we sound different, That's it's because this is a different part. But anyways, we were talking about the movies and the, yeah, the movies that we had watched this past year and Mm -hmm. the things that we had seen in the standout films. But the standout films that I've watched that you haven't seen Mm -hmm. that were sent to us for our consideration, as well as that I've seen in theaters, would are the three movies that are coming to mind or that I've watched very recently in the past, you know, like throughout December, are Poor Things, Directed by Yorgos Anthonymous and starring Emma Stone. That movie was really good. And I think I'm going to write an essay comparing or talking about the directorial choices of the film compared to the book. Because I read the book like in early December Mm -hmm. in preparation for the film. And I think they diverge in very interesting ways. But the, the film form takes on the themes of the book through the medium of film in an interesting mm-hmm. way. So, but the f- the movie was really funny and absurdist and mm-hmm. surreal and like surrealist in the sort of references through it. I think you would enjoy watching it. And I really want to. I don't know how I'm going to watch it, but I will. So, yeah. Then I also watched Robot Dreams, Robot Dreams, yeah, which is an animated film without any dialogue, mm. distributed by Neon, and it was very, very heartwarming and sweet. I really thought that it was adorable in terms of how it examines, like, relationships and sort of lost love or, you know, like, loneliness and I thought that it was really 
just, I mean, it was really, really cute, but also, and it was like heartwarming, but it was more than that. It had a lot of, there was like a, like, there was a fair amount of like depth to it, I think as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like a Portuguese film, but I don't, but I'm not sure. It is, it's like very cutely animated. And the song of the movie is, did you remember, do you remember, do you remember? Yeah. The 21st night. It, of really September. Cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the the no. song is called September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, that song is like kind of the theme song of the relationship mm. of the robot and the dog in the film. It's very cute. And then I would say the movie, and then the 2023 film, The Zone of Interest. Hmm. Directed by Jonathan Glazer. That was a really good film, in my opinion. I think it was done really well. It follows the like the concentration camp director of Auschwitz and his family in his really beautiful house and gardens right next to the concentration camp. We don't really see Whoa. the concentration camp at mm-hmm. all throughout the film. Mm-hmm beyond just like the garden gate that separates the house and its grounds from the camp and we follow like just the sort of day-to-day goings of the wife and mother and their kids and the wife and mother's like sort of her grievances about her husband's being successful within the Nazi party and how their class aspirations within Germany during this time are, you know, really beneficial to her and she really enjoys her position of power. And Mm. there's a lot of, and we see sort of from the husband's perspective, uh, him meeting with the other, the engineers of the Nazi party and their like sort of blueprints and their designs for the mechanisms of the camp and for gas chambers and for more efficiently killing people and ashing bodies like it's really brutal but because it's all set on this in this really idyllic because Auschwitz is like this you know the city and this area is this Mm -hmm. is like this countryside, it's like gorgeous. There's a stream. There's like the garden the wife has worked on. There's a pool in the backyard. It's very, very uh, horrifying. Like I like obviously there's no other mm-hmm. way to sort of describe it. Like by 20 minutes into the film, I was like my jaw was like on the floor. I was like, oh, oh, my God. And, and I went into the movie, like, not really knowing what was happening. I had mm-hmm. no idea what it was kind of about. But then as all the different little clues were setting in about what this family was and who mm-hmm. they were and all the little comments that it became clear that what was happening, it was very moving. And then it actually, it does some very interesting things with, like, technique and playing with time and perspective and with it using like film and color and editing i don't know it was i think a pretty innovative and compelling way to tell the story of auschwitz and how it was 
run and maintain by, maintained by people, you know, seeking political power within the Nazi party and people just, it's not even just like just doing their jobs or whatever, like mm-hmm. people who are, you know, actively anti-Semitic and mm-hmm. very, and like th- the way that their family life is and how it's implicated and impacted by the fact that the concentration camp is like right there they are Mm -hmm. actually the engineers and maintainers of it and they are in charge of the hundreds and thousands of soldiers that make sure that it runs smoothly and brings Mm -hmm. more shippings of people on trains to be brought to it it's horrific it made Mm -hmm. me really think about the way that like even currently people sort of not only exist in comfort, but exist at the expense of and directly side by side to and in relation with immense like mass murder and suffering. Mm -hmm. And it's extreme visibility. Like we see in the film, like these just, just screams in the background and like just smokestacks out you know past the garden wall mm-hmm. because people are being gassed like they're in chambers yeah it just it makes me think about like gaza right now and everyone mm-hmm. watching everything happen from their phone screens and yeah i don't know i think like a lot of nazi films and world war Two films and stuff like that sort of fetishizes the pain of people who suffered and were persecuted Mm -hmm. and also and or victimizes nazis or germans during Mm -hmm. nazi reign and i think this film avoids doing that in a way that sort of mainstream like boy in the striped pajamas all the light we cannot see type shit just can't because this film isn't like you know a blockbuster it's not a spielberg like it's more it's more subtle than that i guess and it kind of it's horrifying in how it asks the viewer to not be sympathetic to the suffering of jewish people during this time but to be sympathetic to the like aftermath of this as people who are witnessing and understanding the horrors of the Holocaust in the aftermath of it. And also from the perspective of Nazis and like high ranking Nazis who helped and who were directly in charge of running concentration Mm -hmm. camps and seeing their family life. Like, I think that's a very, it's a very, difficult and important position to put the viewer in because in reality that is that's the position that most people are in like most people are more likely to be nazis and people who run concentration camps i mean in a literal and metaphorical sense than they are Mm -hmm. to be especially like in terms of living in the imperial core the first world etc then people are to be in a concentration camp like and our mere existence is the maintenance and fueling the apparatuses of mass killing and just genocide and this film sort of doesn't even ask us to like confront that but really 
sort of sits us in the reality of like our role as spectators and as active participants in genocide. So yeah, it was really moving and uh, it was horrifying, but I really, I thought the film was very good. So yeah, those are the movies that I've watched in the last month of 2023 that I thought were very good because December 2023 was the month that I watched the most movies in the past year. Mm. So, but anyways, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. And that movie was called Zone of Interest. Yeah, the Zone of Interest. After that light topic, do you want to talk about some of the music that you were listening to in the past year? Ooh, yeah. 2023 for me, personally, was a pretty big music year. I think I say that every year because... You're just a music person. I am. And I've really, like, each year I get, not to be like, I get more into music. It's like not even like I'm like rediscovering, but I'm even liking songs that I've listened to my whole life in a different way, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. I'm much more attuned to production, what kind of instruments I like, what kind of lyrics and styles of writing I like and there's different genres and if I'm being honest I feel like I feel like we've lost so many recipes in music like I feel like through social media and kind of like the trendification of music which I Mm -hmm. think has led to different things being popular versus just like music charts and like the whole concept of pop music and records and stuff like that like not to be like Beyonce, like to quote Beyonce, but it's like no one wants to make no an makes album, album, any album anymore. <laughs> you know, the next hot thing, and I think that sorry, I'm I'm hedging getting into my. But favorites. I think even Doja but, Cat's recent album is sort of indicative of of that phenomenon. Well, I I haven't listened exactly. To it. I listen to Hot Pink probably at least once a month. Yes, I do. And the thing with Hot Pink is that it has hits. Hot Pink is stacked. With Even songs. Planet Her, that, that's an album. That's an album. Planet Her is an album. I, and I like. I don't even think I liked Planet Her that much when it came out. And oh, I, I loved because it because I was. Well, I was just such a Hot Pink. Yeah, I was fan. too. But the thing is, is that and Planet, Planet Her, the tempo is a, of like the average tempo of the songs is slower than hot pain yeah and i wanted something a little more like upbeat what yeah and that was just my vibe but now with the state of doja cat's career and discography Mm -hmm. in general i'm like you know what planet her maybe maybe it weren't so bad after all oh what i was gonna say about this like next hot thing kind of being indicative of the music scene right now which is why i think in 2023 i got really into i'll just say pre-internet music because it wasn't even exclusive to the 20th century like mm-hmm. even early 2000s but with Aaliyah interludes it girl mm-hmm. song that i personally despise mm-hmm. that went viral this year mm-hmm. i don't like it mm-hmm. i don't like that genre of music i used to like genres of music or songs where the whole concept of the song was essentially it it girl music Mm -hmm. and it still has its time and place Mm -hmm. such as doing your makeup with your friends Mm -hmm. but that i i don't like it Mm -hmm. to me it is so it is like 
that concept or that like bigging yourself up in a very girlish way is something that has always existed in music but i find that now it is getting so unoriginal yeah like you're the i-t-g-i-r-l you know i am that girl <laughs> it's like yes i have it memorized not because it's good or catchy but because it is so i mean unavoidable well no because a child can memorize the abc right 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 okay yeah you know, like, it's like, right. what What are you saying? What like, happened to If You Seek Amy? <laughs> if You Seek Amy. That's, that is it. That is the T. And, like, that's really what I mean in that it's not even about necessarily listening to vintage music or music yeah. from the 60s even, or Yeah, because, like, Britney Spears, she was giving. Exactly. That was recent. Within within our lifetime. <laughs> but there's something and like, it, I think it started even before TikTok, but I feel like even in the way that TikTok treats older music, mm-hmm. and they all get like, rediscovered on TikTok, mm-hmm. and then it's almost like this beautiful song gets yeah. internetified, and people the don't really understanding. The of my love, mine oh mine. Fucking my love, all mine by yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like it's ah! it's, it's it's just not the tea. That like, shit's pissing me off so bad. I'm sorry. Like rich people should not be allowed to listen to that song. Okay, well, yes, yes. Is that I? So like because I mean I've been like TikTok clean for a while, mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong, reels are kicking my ass. It's yeah. like when someone like yeah, yeah, yeah. gives up drinking and then gets mm-hmm. a coke problem. It's mm-hmm. like that's literally mm-hmm. me with TikTok mm-hmm. and reels. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see that, so it is what it is. But sometimes <laughs> I'll be like, why did this like Patsy Cline song all of a sudden get like a hundred thousand or a hundred million streams on Spotify? I was like. Oh, above yeah. all yeah all of her and it's like oh because it got found on tiktok and i'm like yeah. okay i guess i'll just go kill myself but <laughs> i'm kidding anyways with that being said i'm really my music lover era my music head era well in terms of the spotify spotify wrapped data yeah i was i'm looking at my like thing right now those are just my overall observations of music this year that that was what that was in terms of the data the, the just the hard raw facts <laughs> mm-hmm. of what the hell was happening in this past year. I I listened to like seventy five thousand minutes of music. Okay, okay. I feel like I'm gonna. I I've even noticed this recently in the past month or so. I think I'm gonna be listening to less music this year. Because, really? Yeah, because I need to give myself the mental energy to think i guess Mm -hmm. have my brain breathe and also i want to listen to books more i i've always been listening to books i listen to books constantly Mm -hmm. but i want to listen to books more than music i think more intentionally this year so i think my numbers are going to be down that's a prediction but no i listen to 70 5,000 minutes of music this past year. How many minutes of music via Spotify wrapped <laughs> did you listen to? Yeah, via Spotify. Mine was 47,959 47, mm-hmm. minutes. And this summer, I, th- I tweeted this, I believe. So if you follow mm-hmm. me on Twitter, then you already know. 
uh this summer i listened to a lot of music on cds Mm -hmm. which this summer is also the time where i usually get my most streaming done yeah so not that i would ever be or not that a couple of weeks would have jumped me to seventy five thousand. that yeah but i think i think that did impact yeah just some of my minutes overall because there was a while or i was streaming on like your spotify or someone else's spotify so yeah and and mine just mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't touched wasn't utilized Mm -hmm. for a small period of time but i'd say everything else is is still accurate yeah the only thing that isn't accurate is that there's no abba on my rap which is Mm. abnormal but that's fine yeah, no, I, I think the other thing is that I'm very, like, monogamous with music. I, like, love to re-listen to an album, to a song, mm-hmm. to a playlist. I'll stick to it. I'll stick to it, mm-hmm. and I won't be sick of it until I decide I am four weeks into it. So I think that also how really... many How many songs did you listen to in 2023? I played 2,769 songs. And what was your number? 3,886. Yeah. See, I'm a monogamist. Which is great. Like, you fully have, like, 30,000 minutes on me, but are Mm -hmm. a thousand songs shorter than me, which truly shows that you listen to the same Same. songs. Mm -hmm over and over and over again yep which is like that's dedication no i really am i mean so who were who okay i'm I'm gonna be honest Mm -hmm. my and if you follow if you like look at my instagram stories or whatever pretty regularly if if you're if you're into me like that um (laughs) three of my five my top five songs are chapel rowan songs (laughs) (laughs) that is that is true yeah yeah do you remember what they are or do you want to guess what they are actually well i know the one that is in both of ours which is red wine supernova Mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. that's your number one song yes you're right yes that's and and because that's my second song that's your number two song of the year yeah wow see how we have taste guys let's let's look at that exactly well because i mean because red wine supernova is the pop song of the year let's talk about that like we both saw it live <laughs> it dropped yeah we streamed we loved it like she was yeah. a yep mm-hmm. when, when that so comes good. on it's like wait the, hold on let's all get up and the call and response we don't bring call and response enough into mm-hmm. the mu- like mm-hmm. you have to anyway and it's so brilliant i got a wand and a rabbit oh my god i'm gonna guess your Chapel Rowan songs. Mm-hmm. I know one, which is Red Wine Supernova, because it's in both of ours. Yes, and that's your number two. Yes, that's your number two. That's or my number two. Your number one. Yeah, I'm guessing your top five, not mm-hmm. like okay, but three of them. I'm gonna because, go casual yeah. as my as one of them. Is it in your top five? Well, yes, and it's actually my number two. <laughs> yup. And I'm going to go California. No. Fuck. <laughs> Hold on. Can I ask? Is it is it one of her s- slower songs or is it one of her, is the last one? Because, like, Casual is one of her slower songs. Red Wine Supernova is one of her pop songs. And I can't remember if your third one 
Is no, it it's slow? it's more upbeat. It's more upbeat. Is it midnight? It's not midnight in Manhattan. Or no, sorry, naked in Manhattan. No. Is it? Fuck. What is it? It's my kink is karma. Oh, I cannot that you know what? L L on me for yeah, that. Yeah. That's that's yeah, a certified yeah. I should have I should have known that. No, because I, <laughs> That's literally well, I mean, right the other mm-hmm. songs are obviously your songs because they're number mm-hmm. one and number two and mm-hmm. we love them and, and we stream them. But I sh- I should have mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I should have well, gotten that one. I mean, bad. that's the thing. My 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 concert theme for I mean, I went to her twice in 2023. Once in mm-hmm. the spring and then once in the fall. And in the fall, mm-hmm. the theme was My Kink is Karma, and I did my whole get up and my whole My Kink is Karma recreation outfit music video recreation because the music video is very excellent and so mm-hmm. creative and fun. And I think My Kink is Karma, Casual, and Red Wine, Supernova are such such a personality snapshot of, of Sunny, really. Like, hate, yeah. hate and longing, horny. <laughs> Isn't that important? Isn't that important, guys? Anyways, what was, okay, was a Taylor Swift song on your top five? One of them. Okay. Yeah. Wait, now I have to guess it. Ooh. Was it a folklore song? Wait, was it Bejeweled? Mm-mm. But correct album. Oh, okay, okay. You gave me a three? No, that was an M for Midnight. Mm-mm. Okay. Was it, is it one of the, like, main album tracks, or is it a bonus track? Main album, not a bonus track. Is it Karma? No, Vigilante no. shit? No. Ugh, fuck. I, th- I think it's kind of a sleeper hit. I don't think people give it enough flowers, to be honest. God damn it. But maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm DeLulu for that. Maybe I'll, I say that, and then you're like, <sighs> it's like one of the most popular songs. I'm crying. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me go back. Let me take a look. Is it Snow on the Beach? No. You know it's not Snow on the Beach. That's As a right. a top five song. That's right. You hate you year. didn't you didn't like it because Lana Del Rey wasn't on it. For real. Yeah, she wasn't, yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Was it question? No, but you're kinda you're you're getting warmer, I think. Midnight Rain. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorites. Midnight Rain's one of my favorites. I mean I love it, but no. Was it Lavender Haze? Girl, you're going through every song. I'm going through every song. How am I not getting it? Mastermind? Like, I'm, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand. Wow, maybe it really is a sleeper hit. Do you just want me to tell you? Yeah, because I've gone through all the songs at this point. Glitch. That's on the fucking... Girl, that's all the what? bonus tracks. <laughs> Is it a bonus track or is it on the 3 a.m.? It's on the 3 a.m. edition, which is a which is the bo- kind of... You should have told me that it was a midnight's 3 a.m. Well, it didn't say, and if I'm being honest, I forgot because I haven't listened to the album as an album. My bad. That's on me then. Right, right, right. I right. was I was thinking of, of... I guess that is the deluxe version. My bad. Yeah, If yeah, I'm yeah. being honest, I forgot... I forgot where it was. But yeah. Sorry. Well, no, Not I should... you look... If that was if that if you said it was a three AM edition, I, I would have immediately guessed Glitch because I know it's one of your favorites. 
no yeah but because you said it was the original i was like Hold no on. yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah no no glitch makes sense because i remember even when you first listened to it you were like oh my god this is so good and yeah it yeah. is it's it's a really it's a really fun song and it's like really it's like kind of sexy you know it's like it's sexy it's fun i think the production of the of the glitch on the bridge mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like it like every time i hear it i'm like and that's yeah. a good song. Which yeah. is probably which is probably why it's in my top five because I'd like listen to it and I'd be like, you know what? Let's run that back. Let's run that back. Because that kind of slick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was Taylor Swift your top artist? Yes. Mm-hmm. And like So it was mine as well, of course. Uh, but I think like, okay. the, I, I yes. think it had to do I, with the fact just... that we saw her in concert in June. Right? And like I the saw data. her twice this year. I saw, yeah, I, I did. You saw yeah. her in June, and you saw her again. You saw her in April, was it? I saw her in March for my birthday. Yes, you saw her in March. I was in like spring. You saw her in March in Las yeah. Vegas, and you saw her, and we both saw her in June mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. So I think because yeah. the data collected is from January to like October ish, I mm-hmm. think like because it was really concentrated then. Like and in, also just like mm-hmm. the how big her discography is. It's yeah. so easy to listen to a lot of taylor swift and not even notice because like if you listen to two songs from each of her album and she has 10 albums that's 20 taylor swift songs versus Mm -hmm. listening to a whole album that's maybe like 10 tracks of one artist it's you're gonna think that you listen to one artist more than taylor swift and it's like actually no you did listen and it's and, I mean, obviously I listen, or historically I've listened to a lot of Taylor Swift. To say on this podcast that I have had a casual relationship with Taylor Swift yeah. would be a very obvious lie. 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 Um, Liar. But no, see, exactly. I've been but out I, of my honestly, Taylor Swift I era recently to her. because yeah. I've been listening to someone even worse and more problematic and terrible and more of a white woman. Lana wanna, Del Rey? Well, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, there's only one answer. <laughs> the only okay. thing between Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey is dating a cop at this point. And Taylor Swift <laughs> is dating an NFL player, so it's like one and the same. Oh my god, I was watching this FD Signifier video about, he was talking about, so he's, I don't watch video essays like that, I'm sorry you guys, sorry mm-hmm. to disappoint, but he is a video essayist that I do enjoy, but I mostly watch his, he does signified b-sides it's his like other channel where he just like Mm -hmm. does more casual commentary he has sort of replaced the we we talked about for harriet like two years ago right we talked about kimberly Mm -hmm. a lot he sort of kind of replaced her in my mind in in terms Mm -hmm. of like cultural commentary from sort of like a black feminist perspective because even though he's like a cishet man he does a pretty good job of bringing in like he's he's read enough and worked Mm -hmm. enough to like i think discuss things in a way that is also specific to his perspective as a man as well and understanding like andrew tate in the manosphere as well oh yeah i Mm -hmm. yeah so i've seen that video yeah so fd signifier he made a video about like interracial relationships and i was really gagged because Mm -hmm the first thing that he opened with was how Travis Kelsey 
before he dated Taylor Swift, he was in multiple relationships with black women. And you could tell in his presentation, like the way his beard was shaped, his haircut, everything, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because he was dating these black girls before he ended up with white girl, Miss Americana, Taylor Swift, that's what he looked like. That's how he acted like. He had that sort of like white boy swagger that, you know, some Mm -hmm. men will take on when they're dating black women to appeal to black women and also mm-hmm. as being their partners. But what now that he's dating Taylor Swift, he has that, and this is the signifier, this is the joke that FD made, which was like, now he has that, can I have your license and registration, please, look to him, <laughs> right? You know, like, <laughs> um, and. No, yeah. Right? Huh. So, so I think like that is, that, that, that sort of is, is interesting as well. But no, I think, I've been listening to a lot more Lana Del Rey, which is um, interesting. And also... Well, I think inadvertently, I stopped listening to Taylor Swift when her PR started to get boring. I think they mm. made a terrible... Even if Taylor Swift is madly... In madly love with Travis love. Kelsey. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. pussy wet every second of the day <laughs> I think being this public about it, like, and this, this, I mean, I happening think- is I just I just don't think like who who but who's enjoying this? I don't think a the lot. Hitlers, a lot of the Hitlers that, I fear. Really, a lot of Swifties are eating this shit up. I fear, and they want her to get married and like settle down so bad. I'm like, guys, can we please be serious for a second? She's touring for another year. She's on a tour for another year. To be honest, she just had a situation with Maddie Healy. Nineteen fifty shit. You know what happened to that? And now you're dating an NFL player. Isn't that the most nineteen fifty shit (laughs) you could do? But also, like, just the desire from her fans to like get married and have babies with this Missouri man. I'm from Missouri. Girl, no. Let's be so serious. This she's she's a billionaire. Why would she get married? <laughs> First like, of all, there's someone else from Missouri too. So, <laughs> who has dated Carly Kloss? Or oops, who has dated Taylor Swift? Carly Kloss is from St. Louis. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Another Missouri, another Missouri girl. So the Zion- Taylor has we, a type. We, we got the Zionist. We got the mm. NFL cop. We got the billionaire. <laughs> that sounds like some bisexual romance that would go oh, viral at Barnes and Noble. My god. Yeah, no. It's like it's a they walked into a bar type joke. They, they walked into a millennial bar in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> they walked into the the neon sign millennial bar. Anyways, um yeah, no. I've been well, Taylor, she loves to suck Lana Del Rey's dick. She loves to be mm-hmm. like I Oh, Lana Del Rey's songwriting. It's so good. Back in 2019, all the way till now. Oh, I love her so much. And, you know, see, that's why, I'm sorry, I will never stop fucking with that lady because she gets it. She's also down bad for Lana Del Rey, who is objectively kind of a loser. Like, have we listened to her music? That woman is going through, same way that Taylor Swift, if we listen to her music, a little bit obje- objectively a loser. Like, she gets it in terms of being down bad and I mean, also in terms of slang, but yeah, no, I think she resonates with Lana Del Rey because of how how much her music is about being down bad. Like, um, I don't wanna live that song going viral on TikTok as well. I was like, y'all don't even get it like me. 
I don't want to live. And she screams that essentially. And she's hitting her jewel. Y'all don't get it like me. Y'all don't understand that. <laughs> When's it going to be my turn? Yeah. When's it going to be my turn? <laughs> With that being said, yes, Taylor Swift was my, was my number one artist of the year. A lot of that was heavy lifted in the first <laughs> Yeah. So screaming, I don't want to live hitting your jewel in a <laughs> studio is... I mean, that's essentially seasoned, what, one through three of the Lavender Menace on, on your end of the recording. Vala Del Rey is a mother. She's so fucking real. Like, she gets it. That's why, okay, see, none of her songs ended up in my top five because I, I, I press play of her discography of her 10 albums start to finish. I don't repeat anything in that way, really. I mean, I do, mm-hmm. but, like, so much of it is so real that, like, I just mm-hmm. have to... <laughs> get into all of it <laughs> do you have any scissors songs in your top five actually no but scissors is my number two artist but see yeah. okay in my top five my number three song is american teenager by ethel kane which is her like first and mm-hmm. last pop song essentially which is mm-hmm. kind of sad because even though she doesn't want to make that type of music anymore like it's she's really good. so good at it she's so good at it like I love Preacher's Daughter as an album so much. I was listening to Sunbleached Flies so much. I was listening to, I think, Strangers a lot. I was listening to House in Nebraska so much. It was so bad. I was looking through my, like, archives of my stories on Maine, on my main Instagram, and I was like, mm-hmm. I've, re- I've posted House in Nebraska on my story, like, three times in 2023. Like, it can't be that serious. And that song is so fucking sad. Like, it's unbelievable. It's eight minutes long of just being sad about a lover who essentially died. But my number four song, and this was my... Well, actually, do you want to guess what my number four song, which is my Taylor Swift song on my top five, is? You've probably seen it, but, like, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of your memory. It was kind of su- a surprise it- to me as well. Is it a 1989 song? Nope. But kind of close. Is it Red? (laughs) Girl, please be serious. Red is one of my lower tier albums. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Y'all can persecute me, but I'm familiar with that game. So. Is it Reputation then? Well, yes. (laughs) Well, yes. Reputation. Oh, is it, is it, is it Dress? Well, yes! Well, yes! Of course it is. Good job. Good job. See how you got it on the first try, and I it took me 12? <laughs> to be honest, I did, I did fuck up the Witch album. <laughs> I forgot that it was on 3 a.m. Yeah. But. Yeah. See, but it's, I, it's like, it's like, I drop into my sunny senses, and I'm like. <laughs> well, see, in air. my top 10 on of my songs, I, there was a SZA song, and uh, mm-hmm. there's a. Of course, I mean you—you'll know what you know what it is. You know what says a song is on my top ten. I probably do, but I don't know the name of it. Oh my god! Is it it's, wait? Is it is it Normal Girl? No, it's okay. actually off of her most her recent most album? album. Yeah, and it's a collab with our favorite, our least favorite white woman, who is somehow more annoying than Taylor Swift. And Lana Wait, Del Rey. can I? Is it cheating if I look up the album you looked up? Yeah, no, no, Ugh. that's not cheating, girl. And also, I already narrowed it down to one song. I know that it's a collab with Annoying. Oh, Ghost in the Machine. Yep, yep, that's yep, yep, true. yep, yep, 
I do which love I mean, SZA and Phoebe Bridgers collab is so lol. Just conceptually, even mm-hmm. even though the song is like the good, song I remember it. The song, but like beats. just the idea is <laughs> makes me giggle. Such a great collaborator because it just everything she does it just works it just works do you ever think we'll see like a SZA and Taylor collab or do you think that Taylor will be too intimidated by SZA's vocals and and songwriting (laughs) do you think Taylor and SZA will ever collab or do you think that SZA will kill Taylor Swift immediately upon sight (laughs) and Taylor will cower with fear before her like I mean well Taylor towers over SZA that's what that's one thing about her did okay actually we gotta talk about a new pop girl that we've been streaming 2023 and forward from now on she's also a blonde girl she's not annoying she actually slays. sabrina carpenter well yes well yes no well, yes. 2023 was the her year, year of her mm-hmm. come up i think mm-hmm. which is so mm-hmm. funny because i think she had so many sleeper hits like so many of the songs mm-hmm. that people that really got her on the scene this past year were songs that have kind of been out for a while. And I know that because Nonsense Christmas... I streamed Nonsense Christmas before I even got into the original Nonsense. Oh my god, really? Yes, because for some reason... Well, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it just really wasn't my... Like, I couldn't see the vision when it first came out. Mm -hmm. As it seems, a lot of people didn't see the vision when it first came out. People didn't see the vision. But then the bonus tracks on emails I can't send, the bonus tracks are also... Like, okay, on my top 100 songs... Let me... get into the sabrina carpenter tracks that were in my top 100 okay so actually after my top 10 my 10th is hot to go by chapel rowan of course and then we got end game by taylor swift i'm sorry that song fucks end game by taylor swift featuring ed sheeran mm-hmm. and future it fu- it fucks like i need her to collab with some female rappers in reputation tv because what do you fucking mean like it will eat but then after endgame it was the first taste by fiona apple because that song's gonna be on the rest of my top songs of the year for the rest of my life because for the past three years it has been or the past yeah like two years Mm -hmm. and then after that it was summertime by flow which is a hit summertime by flow that song that's my number nine song summertime by flow guys our our taste our pop music taste like let's speak let's speak on that i I was up hella late one night literally like probably 3 a.m whatever later than i should have been and i saw a clip of them performing live like like er, early before it was summer in 2023 and i saw it and then i went on youtube and i watched that live performance i think five times in a row before oh my I could god move on they're their such vocals good. and their harmonies oh god are so good and so tight and i was like we don't have this anymore mm-hmm. and i think i could probably look up the tweet i was like mark this day mark yeah. th- mark this as the mm-hmm. day that i discover uh this song in this trio mm-hmm. and i think they have good momentum i re- i really hope they come out with another banger soon and are Mm. not like one hit wonders because their ep is like their ep is cute but Mm. i don't think they got enough press for it summertime Mm. though was definitely a hit oh god that's a and i hope i hope this momentum takes them somewhere yeah but then after summertime it was naked in manhattan by chaperone because of course it was and then after that it was august by taylor swift because of course it fucking was and august taylor swift that was my top song of what 2022 or 2021 
because mm-hmm. of course it was. And then after that, it was Jody by SZA because of course it was because it's like you know, stuck with just weed and no friends, weed and my pen. Like, wow. And that's just repetition. Like, oh my god, SZA, SZA. Like, I'm so drunk, SZA, save me. Anyway, and then at, right after that. It's Nonsense by Sabrina Carpenter. That's how much I was clocking in to the streams. It was up there with Jody and August and Naked in Manhattan. Because, and then below, couching in between, after Nonsense, it was How to Disappear by Lana Del Rey, which Norman fucking, Norman fucking Rockwell. Norman fucking, fucking Rockwell. Renaissance, you need to listen to that album. I'm telling you, you need to. You need to listen to the album. Okay. Anyway, and then after that, it was Style, because of course it was. Okay, Style, Taylor's version is so unserious. I laugh when I listen to it. Because the it's Style... So... Style OG, perfect. A perfect pop song. A perfect pop song. Like, oh my god. Style just eats. But actually, Muna ended up in my top 100 songs this year. I know the, I know the listeners cheered. I know the listeners cheered, okay? Because I stay strong, guys. I, stay strong. <laughs> I mean, it, Muna was in my top 100 songs because, oh god, oh my god, in my top like. But first maybe half. I'm like, am I being a hater? Just to be a hater. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm so scared. It's like, what if I listen and then like, <laughs> and then, like have a song that I like? The thing is, is that what I want? I don't. I know. Mm-hmm. Muna, I think, could potentially get me. Boy Genius mm-hmm. will never get me. And Boy, Boy Genius will never, will never get, get me. Because no. you know what? I respect Lucy Dacus. And I don't think mm-hmm. that she should have to Put small up with- herself <laughs> to be in a trio. And I think she could be the number one star on her own. Mm-hmm. And leave Phoebe in the fucking dust. <laughs> I don't know why Phoebe Bridges or something. Up- no, I won't. That sounds misogynist. Well, she pisses me off, but she also kind of gets she gets a lot of misogynist flack, which is exactly. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna feed into that. I'm not gonna be another voice in the air who does yeah. that. But see, within my top twenty so tracks, I have "What I Want" by Muna, which is so good. That's like a disco esque like hype song that like will get you jumping. I the thing is, is that "What I Want." I heard that song live because. Actually, Muna did a free concert. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I know the bitches are jealous. I know the bitches are clawing at my door right now. But so Muna did a free concert mm-hmm. at my school. And I was just standing there in the back because, you know, I'm not one of the rabid girls who showed up at 4 p.m. at the fucking barricade. But I was just standing there in the back and they started they were they started playing what I want. And I was like, hold on a minute. Hold on. This kind of this what? Why does this kind of eat? Because the other songs, I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't know. But then mm-hmm. I went back home, and then for the rest of the year, I was just streaming what I want because it's such a good, fun hype song. And then, of course, like, whenever I played my whatever, I would put on my song radio of whatever song I was really into at that time because Spotify algorithm knows that I only like three songs at any given moment, and then they'll, like, just play those three songs for me. And then mm-hmm. one of those songs that I just wouldn't skip that often was Silk Chiffon by Muna and Phoebe Richards. Like, for some, whenever it came on, like, I would just listen to it because it's, like, a, it's a listenable song and it's fun and mm-hmm. it's cute. And, yeah, so, like, I, I would stream it, you know? So that would also happen to be in my top 20, so, yeah. But, no, Nonsense, Sabrina Carpenter's on here. Read Your Mind by Sabrina, gonna... by Sabrina Carpenter. But, actually, that before that... That one's number that, 12 for me. Oh, my God. Read Your Mind is number 12. 
Feather by Sabrina Carpenter. Oh, that one. I, that one I got into. So that's the thing is that I, because read your mind I, or yeah, read your mind. To me, I was like, that's it. That's the track. That's the moment. And I and I could not stop listening to it. Like even when I would try to listen to other Sabrina Carpenter songs, I was like, if I'm being honest, I just want to listen to Read Your Mind. Mm-hmm. Then I think after they stopped tracking the data, I ran through the emails mm-hmm. I can't send album mm-hmm. a couple of times, mm-hmm. and it really, it's. I'm not gonna say I don't think it's an incredibly strong album mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah, but the but tracks, the songs. Oh that my hit, god! Hit. Mm-hmm. And bet you wanna, oh bet you is on here is on mine. Bet you wanna, like I love when I she love, gets. I love lonesome. No, I don't love lonesome. I, love I do Pepper. love lonesome. Lonesome that I had a lonesome phase, but it's not on my top tr- tracks because I like, got into it in like December or November. I'm sure I like bet you wanna, but I can't remember. But read your mind. Nonsense feather are to me. I think. Yeah, those are great tracks. Yep, those are on my top, like, 50, I think. Yep. Yep. They're just... Excellent. That's the moment. And, like, again, like, I did... You know what? Listeners are cheering for me. An Olivia Rodrigo song was on my top 100. (gasps) Placement 99. Wait, can I guess? You already know. Wait, do I? Yes, you know. Vampire? The what? Yes. Okay, okay. I'm glad. I was like, I I was like, I was like, it's the the one song. Gotcha. See, Get Him Back got on mine. That was in the top, like, 50. But I think that might be the only Olivia Rodrigo song that ended up in my top 100. Yeah, Get Him Back. I met a guy in the summer and I, or no, and I left him in the spring. He argued with me about everything. That shit's so fucking catchy. I'm so, 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 so. She's real. I'm sorry. She's real. She's a. See, that's the thing. I don't. I don't necessarily fuck with that song because I've. That has never been, a mentality of mine. I'm. I'm. I'm the. I'm. I'm the. I'm usually the initiator of. Of. If I don't want to, I don't want to. Wouldn't get it. Renaissance wouldn't get it. You guys. Renaissance literally would not understand. No, because I've. I've never wanted someone back that I. That I. Not in that sense. We get it. You've never suffered. Okay, in my top, in my top 100 songs, I also the the Beyonce songs that are on here are Virgo's oh. Groove, Plentiful, and I fear on mine, and Cuff It. Those are and Heated. For it, it goes Heated and then Cuff It and then Virgo's Groove. Those are my three Beyonce songs on here that are so excellent. I I probably have all of Renaissance on here. I, I break my soul. I'm that girl, mm-hmm. alien superstar. Cuff it, church girl, energy, cozy, heated, and summer Renaissance, all in my top 100. Yeah, yeah. And that's because that's but that's also because when I would listen to Renaissance, I would listen to the whole thing. So there's a very select number of songs that are above any other like break my soul is probably the number one because that was the single of the song of the album Uh uh so i listened to it several times before the album came out like i'm that girl i think probably has good bridge alien superstar obviously just a hit cuff it a hit like Mm -hmm. 
I feel like falling in love. Oh, energy, cozy. Like all these songs are songs that I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me listen to that like a second time or a third Mm -hmm. time before moving Mm -hmm. on to the next song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if if you look at probably the raw numbers, I'd say that all the songs are probably pretty equal. Or the songs in the first half of the album might be streamed a little bit more because I might not have time to finish the whole album. But I'll always start top. Yeah. No, see, Heated is on my top like. 25 or top 50 because the outro gets me every time every single time and i'm like let me play that back just so i can hear that fucking outro and the intro it's too it's also good do 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 mm-hmm. like oh my god those notes oh that that shit will get favorite? me up and moving 199 98 97 96 my number six my number 96 song which was one of my favorites that i discovered this year was actually a different version of a song that I already loved, Heart of Glass, by Blondie. Mm-hmm. But this version was the Once I Had Love, parentheses, a.k.a. the disco song, which mm. is, like, another production version by Blondie of mm-hmm. Heart of Glass. It's so good. Like, I was addicted to listening to it. <laughs> Actually, Cybersex by Doja Cat ended up on my on my top 100 addiction is in my top 100 talk oh, dirty is in one. my top 100 such a good one. that's such a good one rules talk, is in my top i think oh, rules such has been one. in my top 100 since the album came out if i'm being honest <laughs> cyber sex is also in my top 100 and yep. goes to the top too yep yeah yeah cyber sex is my number one song off of hot pink this mm-hmm. year yeah no i mean for the lana del rey stands and listeners in the audience which i know they're better there are a few <laughs> How what's what's the percentage of our listeners do you think that are Lana Del stands Lana Del fans? At least sixty five, probably. Right, right, right. So I'm gonna say so. Okay, I fuck guess. it. I, mm-hmm. Fuck it. I love you. Off of NFR is on here, and say yes to heaven, a single that went viral on TikTok that was actually unreleased, but everyone kept on playing it on TikTok that she got fed up and just released it. (laughs) She has a lot of unreleased songs that are so fucking good, Renaissance. It's unbelievable. Anyways, um, because again, prolific writer. And you know I love a prolific writer. And then also Norman fucking Rockwell, the song by Lana Del Rey, as well as Cinnamon Girl, also off of Norman fucking Rockwell, as well as A&W off of tunnel under ocean boulevard i think you really liked a and w as well and then mm-hmm. taco truck xvb off of her most recent and then california off of nfr um yeah those are the lana del rey songs on my top 100 so it's very nfr heavy because i think i really got into i wasn't into nfr year of release which is 2019 but i really got into it in 2023 because i was going through it NFR is an album for when you're going through it and also when you're in love and also when you're going through it and also when you want to die but that's a lot of her albums so anyways interesting do you have any last notes on music and stuff um in 2023 I got really into jazz which yeah. I'm yeah. always into jazz mm-hmm. um and I'm not even saying that to be like, I'm one of those girls. Like, I've actually always <laughs> been into jazz a little bit. Like, no. Like, I've always been into it. But I find different subsections of jazz 
or like that general like i've always loved big band music and that can be seen in my spotify history i Mm -hmm. love crooners and swing music Mm -hmm. and so but this year i got really into jazz and one of my top played songs was tin roof blues by jonah jones Mm -hmm. i can't remember how i discovered jonah jones recordings I can't remember if it was my Discover Weekly or a radio or what have you, but even of jazz standards that have a million, bajillion, a hundred different recordings of the same songs, I find that Jonah Jones, like, I don't know if it's his producer, his styling, his composition, it, it like, it feels like you are in a jazz club. Like, it mm. feels like you are listening to that music it takes you back the way that him and whoever his other musicians he's playing with like you can hear their personality through the instruments like so vividly and so crisp like it makes the music like it makes the instruments sound like they're singing which is like what Mm. really good jazz does and is is when it feels like the instruments are coming to life like when it feels Mm. like the soul of the player's and the musicians are so like just so vividly coming through like you can almost like see it in your mind like it feels like you're in Mm. the studio even with bad headphones playing out loud like playing on Mm -hmm. spotify on your iphone you'll in my opinion you'll feel this and some people prefer later jazz like jazz from the 70s or even the 80s and i prefer earlier jazz like there's some later decades of jazz but I like it still when it's I like jazz that's in conversation with like big band and Mm -hmm. like just like the pop music of the 40s versus Mm -hmm. jazz that is reacting to other things. But anyways, I just had a very focused concentration on on jazz jazz this year year. Um, in in, in a different way than I have previously because usually I liked jazz that had like lyrics and that were like pop songs and Mm -hmm. um this year I got into non-lyrical jazz jazz without words so yeah I also got sorry this is random I also got back into Kehlani's album Sweet Sexy Savage oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) for some reason it popped into my head and I was like or no I heard Keep On in the dining hall Keep On is such a good fucking song Keep On is so good and it transported me back to like when the album came out and it first dropped and I was obsessed with like that and a couple other tracks of the album and I was like Mm-hmm. That actually, I should have never let that one go. I should, mm-hmm. I should keep streaming that. Keep on is so, so good. Yeah, no. Um, and of course, one of my top artists this year, I think at number five was Faye Webster. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's your and white guess girl. Guess what? I yeah, <laughs> but specifically Atlanta's Millionaire Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that album. I will always listen to that album. I think it is an amazing album. I I love everything about it because it's so, I find it, like, people try and write off Faye Webster as, like, an indie girl, mm-hmm. and I think her second album kind of leans into that a little bit more, I think, because of her vocal quality, mm-hmm. but her first album is actually quite soulful, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you can tell that, that girl's from the South. Yes. You can tell yes. that girl's from the a South. A Georgia woman. In that album. And she, but 
like her voice sounds the way that her voice sounds yeah you know but if you listen to what the songs are about the lyrics and the production that it's a very soulful album in fact and so i really like that versus i think haha you think i'm funny i think is her Mm -hmm, other album mm -hmm. which i do like and when i listen to it i'm like oh yeah this is cute too but mm-hmm. gorgeous always eats up cute gorgeous and atlanta millionaires club is is gorgeous yeah and you know i'm funny haha is cute <laughs> so oh my god right take that yeah yeah take that for for what it is yeah for sure no when you were talking about Lucy Dacus, I actually, I noticed that one of my top songs, uh, top 100 songs was Night Shift, because that's a brutally gorgeous song. And I think that's one of my top songs last year. Yeah. And another, oh, well, actually two Taylor Swift bonus tracks ended up in my top 100. And one of them is All of the Girls You Love Before, which is a lover bonus track that is just so mm-hmm. sweet and beautiful. And there's a lover bonus track that was leaked via someone's Google Drive that I listened to called Need. Need. It's a need. That song is so mm-hmm. good. I need her to drop that shit. I'm sorry. We need to bully her the way people bullied Lana Del Rey into releasing unreleased tracks for Need. Because mm-hmm. Need is so good. Off of Lover. Her Lover tracks, girl, you should have ditched fucking... Listen, okay. I don't even care about, like... I don't even know. Me and you need to calm down. I can, like, tolerate it or whatever. Like, it's fine. I don't... It's mm-hmm. whatever. But when you have tracks like... All the girls you love before and need. You're joking. You could. You're jo- Bitch, are you kidding me? That's why she like. She's a very unserious she woman. She confuses me. Like <laughs> she. Yeah. Oh my god. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um. But, but oh, I was gonna say night shift was number eighteen. Oh. In 2022? Because mm-hmm. the build up's so me. good. Yeah. But actually, another bonus track from Taylor Swift that I think is in the same so. genre of sound of, like, All the Girls You Love Before and, like, False God and, like, Glitch, that type of... Mu- I think she really... Taylor Swift really... She sits well in that type of music. You know what I mean? Like, kind of slower, but still kind of, like, there's a... There's a, there's sort of a groove to it and mm-hmm. like that type of music or stuff like Folklore and Evermore where she's so comfortable mm-hmm. performing there. I think those are her two. That's like what she is excellent at. So girl, get mm-hmm. back to that. Let's sit there. Anyway, but the song that I think that I really liked off of Taylor's version, the deluxe tracks of 1989 was Slut. I really like Slut. I, I know a lot of people like it. If I'm being honest, I... When those songs came out, I was already, I had not been listening to Taylor for a minute and none of it really yeah, pulled me back in, Yeah, if I'm being honest. I was out having dalliances with other mm-hmm. genres, but if I'm being, I don't think it's anything against Taylor. I think I'm a little tailored out. Yeah. I think I'm a little. It's been three years. Oversaturated. Like, we listened to her. A lot. And I mm-hmm. listened to her a lot for a very long time. Very consistently. Yep. Like, being nearly the only person I was listening to. And I do think she makes good music. I think ev- even now, 
with the people who are not very happy with her for very good reason mm-hmm. or for or for various reasons even now when people like say that she's a bad writer like it it still pisses irks me. me off I like you can say a lot of things about Taylor. I'm not going to defend Taylor mm-hmm. for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You can't say she's a bad writer. No, you can't say it. You can't say she makes bad music. She's 16 writing, fucking. I, you made a rebel of a careless yeah, rebel, man, a careless man, careful, careful daughter. daughter. She was like 17, 16 writing that shit. You're joking. Well, also like the thing I think of like, oh, there's a hundred Taylor Swifts. Or anyone could write a Taylor Swift song. No. You're joking. If anyone could write a Taylor Swift song, we would not have Taylor Swift TM because she wouldn't stand out. No. She wouldn't have the hits that she did. If Taylor Swift... You're telling me any bitch off the street could write Cardigan? You're... That's not serious. That's not serious. (laughs) And, like, even... I think even the writing in her pop songs... Oh, yeah. gets so overlooked and is so underrated. That's why 1989 is one of the most decorated pop... Is the most decorated pop album of all time. Because Wildest Dreams style and Shake It Off... Shake It Off is a fun-ass song. And, like, she ate that. I'm sorry. Well, and I think, like... Blank Space. Oh my God! I mean, we said this before, but it's one of her most commercially successful, and yet I find so artistically underrated songs. I was like, we're all we're all hearing this song. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're listening. We're not understanding. I don't think we're listening. Even I, I like. I remember choreographing a dance to it when I was like twelve at a summer camp, and I didn't even really get it then. But now, as an adult, I'm like, and I get it now. See how I get it now. Uh, but yeah, anyways, but yeah, I think... So it's like, I have a very mixed relationship with mm-hmm. Taylor's music, but I find that in general, because because she's such a staple, and I find that she has been kind of like a musical standard for the past, like, definitely the past three, like, definitely of the 2020s, definitely of the 2010s, like, just such a musical staple, and I find that... A lot of things, like, dance around Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just more interested in things that are a little outside of what she can do. Not in that she's limited, but in that, yeah. like, she's so good at what she is. And ultimately, Taylor Swift will sound like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like, she has become almost her own genre. Yeah. That I'm just interested in things outside, outside of that. that. I'm, I love how we just said the exact same thing in the same way at the same time. Anyways, okay, do you want to talk about some books? I have, for my favorite books of the year, I actually made, I have my booktube channel, A Sunny Book Nook, where I talk about, like, my favorites of the year, but what are some of, what are some of yours, or what have been your trends in, in reading, I guess? I read 137 books this year, which is lower than my past several years. Good for you. I did not read as much as I wanted to. Honestly, because I think I was not burnt out, but like mm-hmm. I I just finished getting a literature degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So immediately off the heels, let's just say reading the last half of this year was maybe mm-hmm. a little light. Even like, but I honestly I started to feel it towards the end. I'm like, let me yeah. let me get back into this. Yeah. But so some of the books that I read this past year were for school, of course, but I still love. I read my year of rest and relaxation at the end of last year. 
it's not this year the first book that i read this year was 10 steps to nanette which i listened on audio which is the memoir of the comedian hannah gatsby Mm -hmm. i think you yeah i watched watched nanette yeah and where hannah gatsby talks about her sexuality or like in being a butch lesbian in tasmania and australia during an incredibly homophobic time and how that like hindered hannah gatsby's like and how deeply it affected her relationship to being gay and also being butch and looking the way that she does and not being able to help looking the way that she does and thus yeah always facing homophobia regardless or not like not like if she wanted to like anyone wants to face homophobia but like she like even when she wasn't gay she or yeah. wasn't out she's was still facing homophobia just for being butch essentially and also like her mental health with like the depression that that led to and also being autistic and like navigating that and like kind of just like her life and then how that ended up kind of culminating into Nanette like people think that Nanette is like this masterpiece that she was like so prepared for and everything and all of that so anyways I just thought it was a Mm -hmm. really good memoir and she reads the audiobook so it's very funny and like the lines or the way that she delivers it is just really good. Anyway, so that was my first book of the year, and I honestly forgot. But now, looking back, I have such vivid memories of having my headphones or my AirPods in and walking at night. I listened to it while doing RA rounds, mm. <laughs> while I was doing rounds. And so I have such vivid memories of walking around my community mm-hmm. and listening to the audiobook and being like, oh, wow, that's such a specific time. Now, me having a sunny moment of remembering yeah. the, the sense memory of listening yeah. to the audiobook. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that I was probably like really suffering during that time, but looking back, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I was just walking around <laughs> listening to an audiobook. I also read or I listened to Thumbelina. I was like, okay, random. I would fall asleep listening to audiobooks mm-hmm. or audio short stories on YouTube, so I have a couple of those. Oh, I read Malibu Rising this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Mm hmm. That was mm-hmm. good. But of course, Taylor Jenkins read. Yeah, yeah. Cinema cinematic read as hell yeah 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 she can write uh like especially like a famous character well yeah and And i love the way she plays with time Mm. i prefer the way she plays with time in malibu rising yeah in the seven husbands it's more mature yeah fuck ass monique character yeah sorry i read everyone in this room will someday be dead as well off of my recommendation which you know what? Let me reread that. I'll get back to you. You don't have to. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't hit the first time, but it was because I, I read it off the heels of my year of rest and relaxation and 10 Steps to Nanette, mm-hmm. which kind of very, very similar tonal-wise mm-hmm. and I think subject matter-wise, there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And I thought those two were really good. So then with this one, I was like, what else are you bringing? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's fair to not look at it as an individual piece. Mm-hmm. I also read What We Do in the Dark by Michelle Hart, which was a recommendation by you, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We Do What We Do in the Dark, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, we do what we do in the dark, which I gave five stars. Yeah. That was really good. The romance between an older female literature professor and her mm-hmm. 18-year-old female student. Well, mm-hmm. well, yes. Something that I read, I think I talked about this on the podcast, was the story of the Marquise, Marquis de Bonfils. Yeah, 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 you did talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was really good. I read a really, really bad queer comic for a class this past year that I thought was so bad. Yeah. But I feel bad thinking that it was so bad because I think the author died. Mm, It's the, it's called like Bingo or something, right? Yeah. It's called Bingo Love. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it, and the professor wanted us to have like, like discussions be like and and what do you think this says about queerness and i'm oh like boy. nothing ah! it's cringe <laughs> it's cringe i'm sorry if you like it's like yeah because they're two women of color and one of them is black oh my god and they're gay whoa but to me it was just kind of the case of like almost like making a progressive character for the sake, for the sake of that of character yeah. being progressive yeah rather than actually having something to say about that reality. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it wasn't enough to be like, but isn't it enough just to depict the reality? And I'm like, I don't really think this is doing what y'all think it's doing. Like, it was just... <laughs> it's not delivering. I'm sorry. Like, to me, I was like, like, the concepts are there, but the delivery is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it also looks bad. Right. So... No, the art is not great, in my opinion. No. Last year, I read a lot of his histor- history, like, books Mm -hmm. historical books for class that was covering a lot of 19th and 18th century american history so i read this book called necropolis something about the cotton kingdom uh i forgot the rest of the title but that was really interesting it talked about like immuno capitalism and yellow fever in new orleans and across the south during the 1800s and labor and social hierarchies at the time as mediated by this disease and pandemic you know things that we know and understand just like a thing right now Mm -hmm. that was really interesting i read about i think it's called embattled freedoms which is like about slave refugee camps during the civil war like with union union military establishment camps where people would run away from like plantations to seek refuge at these union military out out camps outposts and how that established like entire communities i read a book about textiles and the role of fabric and clothing in the legal history of the early united states and read about the history of i was reading a book a week about early u.s history basically for (laughs) much of the second half of the year and a lot of it was really interesting i learned a lot and it was a lot to get through, but I, I did get to a lot of that. But I also read a fair amount of kind like new literary fiction as well as some speculative stuff as usual. But I think I kind of got to narrow my taste a little more during this past year and mm-hmm. found the type of romances that I dislike and the type of romances that I do like. Which include, I do like, I think the thing is, it doesn't even matter whether it's gay or not. It matters well whether it's good. Duh. Duh. Like, 
there are historical romances that are... Well, that's why we love normal people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are historical romances about... I, I discovered this... Well, I didn't discover this somewhere. I saw this Palestinian-American author who is being recommended on people's book slides named mm-hmm. Diana Quincy, who writes romance novels, historical romances. And she does a lot of Regency romances, like... Often her, one of her main characters or her, one of her love interests will be Arab or part Arab. And it's interesting because trying to historically configure that and set that within these like English 18th and 19th century context or mostly 19th century mm-hmm. con- context with like marquees and dukes and stuff is really fun, mm-hmm. honestly, to see how it all plays out kind of in, in a similar way to see how gay people kind of configure into Regency romances. Um Mm-hmm. and yeah so I, I like I read three of her books back to back because I just kind of devoured them I was like oh this is so fun I, I liked that a lot so one of the I think the my well okay the number one book that I read this year of my favorite and I think the best is Stone Butch Blues yes of course yes. I read that this summer and sometimes you read a seminal text and you're like this is a little overrated. Mm, mm-hmm. Then you read Stone Butch Blues, mm. and you're like, even with as many people recommend this, mm-hmm. and as popular as it is, mm-hmm. it is still underrated. wildly, wildly underrated. Yeah. Yep. Every word. Mm-hmm. Every there is there is no, to me there is no detail, and no scene, and no moment of Jess's life. Of, yep. of the main character that is not moving and touching it's also like there are parts that are inter like there are parts that are so entertaining but also are so tragic yep. and the imagery that is employed like what what we see versus what we don't see like yep. i feel like we go on such a journey with the main character because like we literally start from birth from like earliest Mm -hmm. childhood memories until well into adulthood Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's i forgot so it's so good i did read stone butch blues and the persistent desire a femme butch reader i actually did read those and finish those in like February of 2023, like January, mm-hmm. but it feels like so long ago at this point. But yeah, no, I did yeah. finish those books um, this year as well, and yeah, they were so incredible and so moving. And no, so much blues is so important. Like when people tell you that you need to read so much blues, they're being so serious. Like they're being so dead ass. And it, like I remember if it was either earlier of 2023 or in 22, where there's like discourse about stone butch blues being like white or something or being like the white butch novel i don't even know if that was and i just have to say maybe maybe it was for some people (laughs) we we need to shut it down yeah we need to shut it down yeah let's close those allegation doors immediately yeah yeah it's just leslie feinberg is white in that he is a white Jew in the way that he is indigenous and Asian and black at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, like. Very that. Stonebridge Blues, I think, is important for, well, one, everyone to read. And I feel like it's like, obviously, butches read it, have read it. I think it's really important for 
femmes and people who want to be close to butches or even people who are close to butches who aren't femmes like who have butch friends or even if you have like trans friends yeah this is a piece of trans history this is a piece of labor mm-hmm. history this is a piece of history of the women's movement and of like of the anti-war movement that we get glimpses mm-hmm. of all the changes that happened through the 60s 70s 80s yeah. 90s and we get this from the trans perspective we get this from the lesbian perspective we get this from mm-hmm. the perspective of not just butchness and feminist that is not that that's the person that's where jess came up but it's about this book is not even just about transness but if you're trans you need to read this if you know and love trans well, people you need to read this you know the reason why i brought that up not Not that I think that's the only thing that the book is about, but because I think it shows so much of the butch and the trans, like, interior Mm -hmm. that otherwise you're, you may not be privy to. And not that Mm -hmm. this tells everything, and obviously each person is, will have their unique experiences. It's not Mm -hmm. like everyone lives stone butch blues or everyone relates to Jess in the same way but I think that there are some like there's some things that I've heard butches say who haven't even read stone butch blues Mm -hmm. and then when I was reading stone butch blues I was like like that's that's the same thing or, or that's the same experience or I if like again like you said like if you love trans people you need to read this book because there's just something about learning truths about people through literature that I think is, it's, it, like, to me, you can't write it off as just being like, oh, but that's just that person that I know mm-hmm. when you read it in a book and it's framed in that way. And I think that Stone Butch Blues does that and that I just, yeah, I just felt like I had so much more empathy and understanding not because I didn't or was like callous or you know wrote off the trans experience before but I think it just delivers mm-hmm. it in such a way that you just can't help but like mm-hmm. for for things that you know to just feel even deeper and richer I think mm-hmm. I think it's just a, and I think just as a piece of literature, mm-hmm. as someone who's not afraid to hate books, as someone mm-hmm. who reads something and can be off-put by writing very easily, I think anyone who enjoys reading should read this book. Mm-hmm. And I think it should expand your world and expand your taste and expand who you consider as potential main characters and worlds and cultures that you are reading about i think if anyone who is truly interested in having a comprehensive literature like personal literature reading this is the canon like this is it Mm -hmm. like to me this is an american this is as much as an american classic as fucking like the great gatsby or or some shit yeah Yeah. like yeah Mm -hmm. and also this year in terms of like queer novels i read um the copy of giovanni's room that you lent to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that i think like stone butch blues and giovanni's room to mm-hmm. me are are Amer- classic american novels mm-hmm. in a way that i'm like some of these other people mm-hmm. that we keep reading are they <laughs> yeah. giving yeah what yeah. <laughs> like, i mean what baldwin and feinberg actually are. what you were saying about 
so much blues made me think about the Baldwin quote about how, you know, you think that your pain is the only pain in the world. And then you read books and you realize that your pain is the pain of so many people before you and so many other people. And I think the other thing is that when I say, when we say that so much blues discusses the trans experience, we're not even just talking about trans masculine experiences, butch experiences, Mm -mm. non-binary experiences. We we're talking about like drag Queens, what trans femmes were called before transsexuality was a thing before trans women Mm -hmm. were identified Mm -hmm. as such. Like we're talking about like trans women are so integral to Jess's come Mm -hmm. up. Mm-hmm. as a butch in mm-hmm. a way that is in the so, bar scene so in new york mm-hmm. in just and like jess is also someone who jess would have died five times without trans literally <laughs> There's no died trans many women. times over and like and in a literal sense like mm-hmm. the, the other thing is that jess is no identifiably before there was language for non-binary before there was language mm-hmm. for this type of shit we see the develop this internal world of like i am not a man i am not a woman i don't but what am i he she butch what like it's mm-hmm. this shit that is like so and then all the femme characters we see in this novel they all are both they're they're all role models in a way that are like here's what to do and what not to do <laughs> mm-hmm. in in a way that all lesbians all people who date women all people who are in the lives of butches or in the lives of lesbians need to take heavy note of okay let's let's note that shit down like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very that's how serious it is okay uh and and the other thing is that when you were talking about how when you're reading it and you're like see that's some shit a, a butch in my life would say or that's some shit mm-hmm. butches no contemporarily who've never heard of this fucking book are saying and doing like again that yeah the universality of the trans the butch the femme the lesbian experience as identified in this book so important but also even my butch literature fans my butch poet friends my friends who told me like my one friend they said to me she said to me there's no books and and things about and for butches there's no representations for butches the only thing we have is stone butch blues and stone butch blues gave me and gave me the language for and identified so many of the things that I have experienced and that are me that are me that this is me this is the book that Mm. is that is what I am and who and articulates my experiences exactly and the Mm -hmm. fact that she said that and other people I know have said that like so many so many people you know what I mean um and first of all for Butch to speak publicly I mean, congratulations. And they do it once every 75 to 100 years. So there's a reason why there's only one Butch novel. Because that would require a Butch explaining and sharing and their articulating feelings. their mm-hmm. feelings and their inner world. Mm-hmm. And one Butch stepped up to the plate. And all the other Butch has been, thank you so much for doing this for me. Ever since. Because I was, I was, I thought these no things. I felt these things. I was never going to say that. I was never going to share that. So that exactly. is why also we are also grateful and thankful. To Leslie Feinberg. If, if it wasn't for Leslie Feinberg stepping no. up to the motherfucking plate, looking around, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the only one who speaks. I'm the only one who can write, who can write a thought down, who can have a feeling write it down. Well, I, I guess so. Fuck. And it, it took from Joan of Arc to Leslie Feinberg. And 
that's how long we're gonna have to wait for the next one. So five centuries, y'all, like or whatever the fuck. I'm not a bitch who's like I have to see myself in a novel. I didn't like this book because none of the characters the representation just represented me. Yeah, it's like where am I in this novel? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not one of those bitches. Mm -hmm. But I will say sometimes when a femme would say something in the book, I was like, and you know what? That's some shit. Yeah, that's some real ass shit. <laughs> that, that's some real that's, ass shit. That's what, I, that's what I'd say. I think that's it what was... I'd do. That's what I think. I was like, I've said that. I've yeah. thought that. If I was in that situation, that's what I'd do. And I'd be like, is this what people feel when they're like, I just, this character is like that. But I'm like, I feel on a deeper, on a deeper more. And on a deeper and realer and truer level than any of you bitches. Be because honest. I'm not going, that's so me to fucking Colleen Hoover or whoever that bitch's <laughs> name is. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, there's like, how, the choruses. I'm not, I'm not reading AO3 fan fiction going, mm-hmm. this this character's so mm-hmm. mean. But see, the chorus of dykes and, and trans people opening up the PDF or opening the pages of so much blues and nodding and being like, wow, she's so me. And there's a reason y'all. There's a fucking reason. Anyways. So that that's basically our 2023 media wrap up. Thank you guys Mm -hmm. so much for joining us this year. If you did join us this year, or if you've been a listener since fucking day one, 2021 or whatever, or however, when you joined us. Yeah. Thank you for being with us all these years. And um, yeah. And thank you for being patient with us. In 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, one, this started out as a quarantine project. Mm -hmm. And so as the world has changed Mm -hmm. (laughs) in relation to COVID, Mm -hmm. um, has obviously changed how we've been able to produce the show. And so Mm -hmm. whenever there's a big change in terms of the ratio of art in real life versus Mm -hmm when we can sit down and record whenever there's a big change with that that definitely reflects in the podcast mm-hmm. and just like day one yeah still the only two people who do do this or have any control yep. over this is sunny and i and when it comes to the back end stuff definitely sunny so Thanks. like <laughs> it's like if one of us or i mean particularly Sunny, if sunny can't edit an episode y'all ain't getting it if it's if it's in the can and and sunny is running from the cops house on fire like hasn't even gotten to the dining hall hasn't eaten a meal living off of hot water and tea y'all ain't getting an episode you know and and so like and sometimes that's just where it is, and 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 if I'm if I'm bus club, another bus, another train, plane, office, car, as I so am, yeah, it's it's very difficult to sit down and record, yeah. And you guys get the edited versions. There's like the whole, anyways. It's mm-hmm. two it's two people living real lives mm-hmm. trying to make this. It's still a passion project. In the next year, I definitely want to be doing yeah. more episodes. Yeah, hopefully. For sure. Um, and getting a schedule that mm-hmm. will have other things going on. So mm-hmm. please stick with us. Thank yes. you for those who have. But um, this is not a wrap up of the pod. Yeah, it was a transitional period, and now we're going to get into being um, having more episodes yeah, for you for sure. after after this hiatus. Yeah, and if you guys do want to support us and possibly get bonus content sometimes, 
you know, whenever we're fucking free and whatever, you should join our mm-hmm. Patreon. And we've released yeah. our episodes early on there as well. If you're like clawing mm-hmm. at the doors for, <laughs> I don't know who's yeah. who's banging on the doors for our shit, you know. Uh, so we do do that as well. Some people don't do their chores if, if there's not a new line. <laughs> there there have been dishes piling up for months, probably. They're they're going back through. They're like I've gone through three times over because I can't do chores. Oh, they're listening or, to the dulcet tones of Sada Songs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But anyway, this episode is gonna be so long. I'm I'm thinking this is gonna be two hours long at least. So you know, good luck to y'all for listening. Thank you. If you're listening all the way up to the very end, thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. Thank we you, hope you. your 2024 and beyond is so excellent and amazing and full of lesbian love, light, and joy, and solidarity solidarity forever amen yeah (laughs) okay Bye. bye